right, today we are here with Helen Hutchinson, the president of the League of Women Voters for California. How are you doing today? I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank Good. you for asking. <laughs> so this is Jamie, once again. I'm Hanako. Yeah, just in case you were confused. Our voices do sound very similar. <laughs> yes, as we lament. But yeah, I think we're going to start off with a little background information. So Helen, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So I'm a retired computer systems analyst, but I'm also then in my retirement, I'm full-time volunteer with the League of Women Voters. And currently, I live in Oakland, so I work with the Oakland League, but I also um, primarily work with the State League in California. So you, you work both with um, the local league and then like the state league overall? I do. I do do some work here in Oakland, yes, okay. because I am an Oakland resident. Yeah. Yeah. How do those um, responsibilities differ? Um, so in the local league, I'm mostly just, I, I am a local league volunteer and I do some things with the action committee. So I'm worrying about the advocacy that the local league is doing. Mm-hmm. At the state league, because as president, I oversee everything that's going on, including both the advocacy work that we do, and then also the support we do for local leagues and, and what we call our voter service work, which is the more where we are completely neutral. We don't advocate for, for or against any position. Mm-hmm. We just provide information for voters. All right. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so when I was reading about you a little bit, I saw that you had moved around all over the country. So I was wondering how working with League of Women Voters California was kind of different than elsewhere. Um, so as we've moved, I, I, I have moved around the country a lot and the league has provided me, every time I move, has provided me a way to tie into a community really quickly and I find people who are interested in being active in the community and being informed about about the community and so that's been, that that's part of why I have been a, a volunteer with the league all through my adult life. And how California is different, I mean, it's just as California is different as a state, and therefore politics are different. We are a lot bigger than most other states is really the the biggest thing that is different, that we are just, we are huge. Yeah, we're the fifth largest economy. I like to tote that a lot. That's pretty cool. (laughs) But but we're also physically big. Yeah. Think about getting from one one place in the the state to another. It takes time and and effort, so that's the other part that. Yeah. It took me seven and a half hours to get from Palm Desert to the Bay Area. That's a long time. <laughs> that, that is a long time. And, and if you think about areas in the northern part of the state where, mm-hmm. I mean, there isn't, you really have to drive and, and there are not a lot of roads. So, no. And so it's slow. Yeah. It is very slow. Yeah. So do you find yourself traveling a lot because of your position? I travel some. I spend a lot of time on the phone. Okay. <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of technology. So emails help and phone calls help. Um, so, and, and we do webinars. Technology has really helped us all be connected, I think, as league members, but also as a state. So. Yeah, that would make sense. So technology has really made your role a lot more accessible to like the entire state. It's made it. It's made it easier. I don't have to travel as much. I can just sit at my computer at home. It's pretty nice. I read that your mother was also a member of the League of Women Voters. So yes. can you talk about like the role it's played in your life from like since you were a child? So I was I was a league baby. My mm-hmm. mother was a league volunteer, and so I was taken as a small child to league meetings. And my mother gave me my first membership in the league when I turned 18. It was when 18-year-olds were just beginning to get the right to vote. 
And so um, she gave me that membership, and then I've maintained it since then. So, awesome. Uh, my children were also league babies. They were taken Aww. to league meetings. <laughs> and they also both got memberships when they turned 18. So. It's like a family legacy. It is a family legacy, and it's for my son as well as my daughter. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So do you guys let males be a part of the men? Men are, yes. We, we've kept the name. So the League of Women Voters was founded by the women who um, got women the right to vote mm -hmm. and, and the women's suffrage movement. And they said just getting the right to vote wasn't enough, that we needed then once we had the right to vote, we needed to be informed and we needed to be active in terms of advocating for policies that we really supported. And so we have that name and we have that legacy, but we have men have been members for quite some time. Yes. All right. Very inclusive. Yes. Um, before you were the president of the League of Women Voters, you were its VP of Advocacy and Programs in California, correct? Yes. What responsibilities did that entail and how did it prepare you for becoming president? The, as I said, the League has these two major roles, one of which is what we in the League call our voter service role. And that is where we are completely neutral and we just provide basic information about what's going to be on the ballot and how you can inform yourself and, and make your own decisions. But we also then advocate for policies. We never support or oppose candidates or parties, but we do advocate for policies. Mm -hmm. In my role as the Vice President for Advocacy and Program, I was in charge of our, our, the work that we did advocating for bills that we wanted in the state legislature. We also then, beyond just changing the bill, we want to make sure that it gets implemented well, so we oversee the implementation and we monitor that. Um, and then also we do advocate on ballot measures. We take positions on ballot measures. And so the same thing, and it includes advocating at the state legislature, but then we may ask local leagues or league members or the public to weigh in on something. Um, we sometimes feel that people need to be informed about an issue, and so we'll send information out about that. Okay, great. So you've been elected to this office for almost four years, correct? Yes. Uh, how long is a term in office, and are you planning for running for re-election? So a, a term is generally two years, and my term will be up next May, June, and I'm not planning on running again. Okay. What are your plans for afterwards? Um, I will just become a volunteer again, and, and I'm not quite sure. Advocacy is the place where I really do love, but it, it's kind of which issues I want to take on and become a, a specialist in. Nice. Would you ever yeah. run for office? I don't think so. No. It's not, not, in, not something I want to do. A, a number of people have come to the league and become active league members and then used that to run for office, but I don't think that I want to do that. All right, cool. One of the challenges facing California is water resources, which was identified as a key issue in the League of Women Voters of California 2017 conference. Yes. In relation to your organization's views, what is your position on the Proposition 68, California Drought, Water, Parks, Climate, Coastal Protection, Outdoor Access for All Act? So the League of Women Voters of California supports Prop 68. We think that the money and the, the programs that they are proposing in, for water are really um, innovative and moving us into the 21st century. They're mm -hmm. going beyond the standard just surface water storage, which is what previous water bonds have done. But in addition, it includes a requirement that both the water money and then the money for parks 
that 15 to 20 percent of it be used specifically for communities that are underserved. Mm -hmm. And we really support that. The water quality issues are re and water supply issues are really a, a significant problem in the state. And parks are also a really significant issue. Communities that are underserved don't have enough parks for people to get out and play in. Yeah, I totally agree. We uh, covered Prop 68 in our last podcast, so that's why I thought I'd ask about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I also noticed that your website states that your organization is a nonpartisan organization but it also that some of the core issues included in your legislative priorities are voting rights, redistricting, and re reproductive rights. Some may say these issues are indeed partisan. How do you defend this position? When we say nonpartisan, we mean that the league position is that we neither support or oppose candidates or political parties. We definitely are political, and those issues are political, and we do act on policies that makes us a political organization. So we are political but nonpartisan. That's great. All right. So which item or items on the June 5th ballot are you like most intrigued to see what happens about or what do you think is like most controversial? Oh, that's an interesting question. We actually have positions on all of the state ballot measures. Money for transit for and transportation. Oh, I think 69. 60, yeah. Prop 69. So Prop 69 we support. You know, we really hope that that passes. The cap-and-trade measure we oppose. That one I'm most worried about. Mm -hmm. um, by requiring a two-thirds vote, we think that it's going to lead to um, more deadlocks and that the money for those programs won't be spent as wisely as it might be. It will, be, will allow a small group of, of legislators to hold it up. Tyranny of the minority. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We covered this in our first podcast, and we came to the same conclusions that... Yeah. Um, a lot of the idea behind it was we would use the money more wisely, but not necessarily just because a larger majority needs to pass the money doesn't mean that it's going to be used more effectively. No, the, the history is in the state legislature, when the budget was required to be passed by a two-thirds vote, you ended up with a lot more backroom deals to get the final votes, and so there was actually less good spending on issues. and so Less transparency as well less transparency on that too. Yeah, exactly. So that's the one I think I'm probably most worried about. Yeah. We reached similar conclusions. <laughs> um, more broadly, like what California state issues are, are you personally most passionate about? So right now the league is most passionate and most involved in Prop 13 reform. There is a, an initiative. We are gathering signatures for it. It's called Schools and Communities First. Our goal is to get it on the November 2020 ballot. Mm -hmm. So we're gathering signatures now, and we'll turn them in over the summer. Um, and then when it qualifies, we'll spend the next two years working to educate voters and get that going. It will do two things. It would create what's called a split role. So the um, commercial property, so any property which is not being used for people to live in, mm -hmm. all that property would be reassessed on a regular basis and... By doing that, we would generate somewhere between 10 and $11 billion per year to be used for schools and local services. While it's not going to fix all the school funding problems or the community funding problems, it's going to make a big difference in both the schools and the services that cities and counties provide. And that's things like, I mean, simple things like paving our streets. But it also, the counties provide health service, mental health services, 
voting services. I mean, I'm looking at election guide here, but there's a lot of human services that are provided at the city and county level. That much money would really make a difference in, in the amount of services that can be provided to Californians. Yeah. I actually was, the reason I started this organization, this uh, podcast, was because of Signature Initiative 1755. Some man came up to me when I was at the March for Our Lives protest, and he was like, hey, will you sign this? And I'm like, oh, what's it about? And he couldn't answer a single question. He couldn't even tell. There's like, there's a difference where if you're a small business with under 50 employees, you get uh, subsidies, actually. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that can create, in my opinion, a void where small companies don't want to grow past 50 employees, which could be a dangerous kind of building stop Mm -hmm. in terms of creating bigger businesses for California. So -hmm. I think that really needs to be looked over a little bit more closely. But I do agree with you. We do desperately need Prop 13 reform Yes, in a serious matter because California has all this money available to it, but we just aren't taxing appropriately. Right. All right, so what are some of the tactics the League of Women Voters of California have been using to engage new voters and those that are more novice to politics? So we have a couple things. Making the California electorate look more like the California population is one of our really long-term goals, and that means both younger voters and it means communities that traditionally are underrepresented in the voter population. And we've got a couple things. We have a website that we do that's called votersedge.org, and the League of Women Voters and MapBite do that together. Votersedge.org will give you your personalized ballot. You put in your your street address, and it will tell you exactly what's going to be on your ballot, um, both candidates and propositions. Um, It also tells you who's funding those campaigns, which we think is really important for people to know. And so that it is, it's a really nice combination that we, the League of Women Voters, provides a lot of the basic information, MapLight does the technology, and provides the information about who's funding the campaigns. So they do that part, and so it's a great partnership. And over the last elections, if we've watched the use of it, it's really clear that younger voters are using that place. It's more easier to like engage younger voters through the technology. And exactly. Like- localized terms. Exactly, yes. exactly. And because you only you see exactly what's going to be on your ballot, you can do that. It allows you now to keep track of your choices if you want to keep track of that. So that's one of the things we do. Then we've got another tool that we call the Easy Voter Guide, which provides information for new and busy voters, is the, is the way we put it. And that's available in at least five languages, and it may be more now. I can't remember exactly how many different languages. It's written at a, you know, sixth to eighth grade level. Really just the basic information. Right now, statewide, we do just the ballot measures, so what's going to be on the ballot. The Easy Voter Guide project includes a lot more information for people. turns out some people don't realize that you don't need to vote on everything on your ballot. So that's one of the really basic things that we tell people. You don't need to. If, if all you care about is one thing, just go vote on that one thing and your ballot will count, and that's all that matters. And voting can be intimidating for people who have been ha, have not had a good experience in school. It looks an awful lot like a school test. Mm-hmm. And so creating a, a, a sense of what's going to happen and why 
and, and how your vote gets counted is real important. So there's a lot of information there on that. That we find is best done, it turns out, just one-on-one -on -one or one-on-one of just a few people. It, it's, it, you know, so you find a trusted person and you say, here you go into your community and talk about that. So we make the Easy Voter Guides, the, they're printed ones, and then it's online and it's available to community groups all throughout the state our partner groups and we find that that's really helpful. You know, I know here in Alameda County, one of the groups that we know I know uses it is the WIC, the Women and Infant and Children Food Outreach Group. Yeah, yeah. So I've heard they, of them before. So the WIC coordinators and you know they're a trusted group in the whole in the community and they have that information and can provide it to their to people that, that they're serving. That's really nice. So that it's just reaching out to like sectors of the population that normally aren't really encouraged to go vote, right. and really making sure that those severely disadvantaged communities are targeted and encouraged to be more politically active. Right, and and we're always looking for new ways to help engage people. And right now, it's generally through partners that we can provide information, and then people who actually are in the community can do the the outreach. But we'll do whatever it takes and. And we're looking. We're always looking at new ways, and it's not. It's not something that's going to be an easy fix. We know it's going to be a slow and laborious kind of a thing. But we're we're continuing to kind of nibble away at, at different ways we can help provide information and encourage people to vote and motivate them to vote. Does like a sector of your your funds that you've collected from members go towards this outreach? Um, it does, and we also get grants. We use grant funding for uh, some of this, so, yeah. yeah. Well, should I ask my last question? You can ask. Okay. Well, just branching off of that, how would you say, like, what advice could you give us on reaching the widest audience? So, it's the same thing. I mean, it is kind of a one, one person to one person, but um, we know, some of the things that we know from studies that work are that if you ask your friends... Do you have a plan about how you're going to vote? When are you going to vote? That kind of a thing. That, that helps. So just encouraging all of your friends to think about, when am I going to vote? How am I going to do it? Holding house parties is another thing that we find is really <laughs> bring your Bring all your election information, and we'll sit around, and we'll have a bottle that. of wine that and talk like about it. like dream party, drinking wine and talking about the propositions coming up. Wow. Right. We should record that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know a number of people that do that. And, really? And, you, know, you invite your friends in and you bring your voter guides, you bring your computers, and then you can look at Voter's Edge and you can look and, and see what else you can find and, and do your searching. And talk about each one of you know, the candidates, the ads you've seen, who's funding that, what's on the, you know, what are people saying about the various propositions you have to vote on. Mm -hmm. and, and you may you probably won't agree on everything. I hope you won't agree on everything. And right. but you can say, okay, you're gonna vote that way, I'm gonna vote this way. Yeah. It helps right. helps think about it. That's really cool. Yeah, I think making the whole process list like abstract is like people don't realize that it's not actually that complicated to vote. It is complicated in in the sense that there's a lot of information that you have. The example is always how do you know how to vote on the judges? You never know. Mm -hmm. And so we say if you don't know, it's okay to leave it blank. But yeah. you know there are some resources, and if you can, and you can talk to people and say, "Oh, I know somebody who's an attorney, or I know somebody who was on jury duty. Let me call and mm -hmm. ask about and see if you can find out some information." Okay. Yeah. 
work together to yeah, get informed. Yeah. Work together to be informed, exactly. Yeah. I think a lot of people see yeah. voting as like a civics test. Yeah. And like you have to do all the studying for it and all this stuff. But it can be fun. It can be engaging. And it's like, it's part of your duty. So might right. as well make it a fun part. It, it affects how you, it affects your life every day, if you think about it. I mean, mm -hmm. everything from whether the streets are paved to um, the air, whether the air is clean and, and, you know, there are billboards out there or you have health care available, all of these things matter. So. All right. Well, thank you so much, Helen. You're welcome. This was amazing. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys for making this available for people. Yeah. So can spread the word. Yeah, I think we have similar goals. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. All right, well, we'll definitely put that uh, information back up on our blog so people okay. access it more easily. Good, thanks. Yeah, all right. Well, signing out.